Everybody, welcome back to the choir room. Uh, you guys like the name, the choir room? I feel like uh, we never really got like a whole lot of feedback on it. Uh, I like it. I think we both like it. But uh, sometimes I just wonder, you know, how everybody thinks about that. And this wasn't a planned segment. I just uh, that popped into my brain as I was introducing the podcast. Here we are, season five, episode number five. It is time to twerk and uh, potentially time to end the twerk as we are here to talk about the end of twerk with a man who I have never seen twerk, but I have to imagine he has done once or twice in his lifetime. Amon Adwin, how are you today? (laughs) I used to say back in college, if I could twerk, I would be the full package. So no, I uh, I don't possess the. I'm not sure what it is. I don't know if I don't know if I don't possess the booty, or if I don't possess like the specific movement of the back that's necessary for twerking, mm-hmm. or it's probably a combination of both. But I've never really ever been able to to, to twerk, much to my dismay. Yeah, one of my biggest regrets, not regrets, that's not the right word. One of my biggest like things that I'm just uh, upset about of uh, the gifts that I have and haven't been given in life is the lack of ability to dance in even the slightest way. Um, I'm a big you know, guy that really enjoys uh, everything musical, everything music-wise. Like, just uh, I enjoy singing, even if I'm not the best singer on earth. Uh, but by far, I enjoy uh, you know, listening to music. Uh, like, everything about it, it's just the dancing that I've never, like, I don't have a rhythmic bone in my body. Finn probably could be better dancer than I can so uh I uh always have regret or not again not regret I've always just wished that uh I I had that sadly I don't but it's okay we can't all have it all we can't all be uh the Blaines and the Santanas and the Britneys and whoever else I I mean I wished that too I wish that I'd like been put in ballet in like formal training at a young age because I look at people like Jacob Bardis doing all of those fancy tricks and I'm just like oh I would kill for that so I sympathize. Although I do have a little, I do have rhythm. I will say that. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I see the, the one thing that I can do is uh, if I'm in the car, then I feel, again, I, I always talk about my car jam sessions and one of these days I'll record it or something. But when I'm in the car, I'm like feeling myself a little bit more to the point where I'm like, okay, maybe I don't look like such an idiot, but it's also because half of my body is not being used. So I literally just have to, you know, bounce back and forth side to side, like whatever. And then I feel like I'm like, okay, I'm doing something here, but I'm probably not. I just look like an idiot. And I, as long as I feel like I'm doing something. I mean, you're also just more self-critical than anybody else is going to be. You know what I mean? So you probably don't look as bad as you think well, that you do. That's true as well. We all just are our own biggest critics and uh, whatever. Uh, that, that aside, uh, let's uh, let's get into this episode. I don't really have a whole lot of uh, setting up before we get into it. Coming off of a Katie and a Gaga, Katie or a Gaga, we are uh, going to move into some Miley and uh, some other various uh, artists and songs and all that kind of stuff in here. Just another old episode, nothing too special themed or anything about this one aside from the twerking of it all. So let's get into it. We're going to open things up in the choir room. We're going to see from an outside perspective that Blaine Anderson is in there putting away some uh, chairs, and you see he's got some headphones on and he is jamming out. 
He's also being recorded by somebody's phone. Uh, we're going to find out that this is Tina recording him, and all of a sudden we see Blaine, and he's going to start twerking a little bit. As he is uh, putting away the chairs for the day, he sees Tina at the door, and he runs to the door and tells her to get out as if she just caught him with his pants down doing something funny. Uh, Jacob in his real style from season two, maybe? Yeah. Um, and he was just so embarrassed. The Glee kids uh, the next day are laughing hysterically at this video of Blaine that Tina showed them and uh, Blaine's just sitting there and taking it but Will's gonna tell them uh, that this this twerking thing is probably exactly what we need to prepare for nationals he's like we need to edge us up a little bit it's time for uh, a twerk teaching session we're gonna try some things out here because we can do this and we can do that but let's put a little edge to it Artie points out that he can't twerk uh, Kitty says she begs to differ uh, wow uh, and uh, Jake is uh, Jake is gonna be happy to lead the way they're gonna go over to the auditorium and Jake and Kitty are gonna give a little bit of a lesson about twerking uh, you just need to you know have a working booty and the right bo uh, twerking education and then Kitty's going to come up and give her own little part of this lesson. Just pop it, pop it, pop it. Uh, and they're all practicing. Unique seems like a natural. Sam seems to have it going on from some uh, leftover white chocolate moves that he did back in the day. And uh, not everybody has it. But as this scene comes to an end, we do see that Sue Sylvester is watching on from the tech room in the back of the auditorium. Does not seem to be too happy. But uh, who stood out to you uh, from this group as uh, the good and the bad of the uh, twerkers here? Uh, well, first off, I don't really think I saw any true twerking from these kids, maybe with Unique, but even that was a quick shot, so I really couldn't get a fair judgment on them. But, like, it's all about, like, the movement of your back and your ass. Like, it has to, like, you have to see, like, it, it helps if you got a juicy ass because then it'll actually jiggle, and that always adds a little bit of dynamic to it. But, um... I didn't really see too much of that from any of these kids, <laughs> not even from Kitty. It looked like people were kind of doing the chicken <laughs> dance for the most part. I don't know why they are trying to incorporate this into sectionals. I hope that it's not going to take up an entire number because that is the quickest way to lose. But um, especially if you can't really do it that well. But uh, I mean, you sure. Interesting. I mean, it's pop. It was popular at the time, yeah. right? I'm glad that they snuck that line in uh, from Jake about like how it, you know, started in Atlanta and um, it's been called many different things. But of course, with the advent of Miley Cyrus VMA performance, a la 2013, it is just taken the mainstream culture by storm, and everybody else is now finally catching on to it. Um, but yeah, people been people been shaking their ass for for decades. Yeah, if not centuries. The twerking phase didn't really last. I feel like as long as uh, we maybe expected it to, or maybe just looking back. I mean, they're gonna talk about it in this episode about how you know, look in a couple years from now, it's just gonna be another phase that you know people were into at the time. And uh, yeah, no, it definitely took over a lot. And Miley had a lot to do with that, with that whole performance that you just mentioned. But uh, you know, it was definitely a moment. I just feel like looking back, it was more of a brief moment than maybe it felt like while we were in it yeah i mean um i always felt like i mean because i remember like when it started to pop off in 2012 everybody was pop obsessed it pop with it pop it, it. <laughs> everybody was obsessed with working and i remember as a as a small child when i finally like got into like the world of dance or whatever um we, there was a similar dance just and we called it <laughs> oh no we called it the dookie butt as kids <laughs> um and 
I was like, why is this all of a sudden popular again? But yeah, I mean, I guess there were just a few uh, like viral videos on the internet that just sort of uh, brought it back into the light again, and it really did hit a surge. But it didn't, it doesn't really go anywhere, you know what I mean? Twerking is sort of ubiquitous. It did reach a peak in 2013 because of Miley, unfortunately, even though she really couldn't even twerk. But yeah, if you watch, if you watch a Cardi B, if you watch the WAP music video with Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion, they're still up there twerking. This shit is not going anywhere. If you have, if there are asses, twerking will always remain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's become, mantra. it's become part of the dances these days, not the whole dance like it used to be. Like you could, used to walk into like a bar, club, whatever, and you would see like it was just only twerking. Now it's like, all right, you can mix it in a little bit with uh Something else that's uh, you know currently in style in whatever I am little fusion <laughs> yeah something like that um, and uh, before we also get like far into this episode um, what did you think of uh, that phase from Miley uh, like or maybe people I think people got mad when you would call it a phase but what did you think of like that era for Miley okay um, I think that Bangers is one of the best pop albums of the 2010s. I think that it really uh, capitalized on the rap sung, what the Grammys call a rap sung category. Um, I think that through the two thousand early two or the late two thousands into the early two thousand tens, pop music really began to become dominated by hip hop influence. Right. I think that Miley and the rest of her team, the producers, like Mike will made it. They all did a really good job at, you know, uh, constructing that album and looking for a cohesive sound really really good i think it's unfortunate that it got popularized because it was miley cyrus as opposed to the dozens and dozens of african-american artists that have been doing that shit forever um so i think that's really um disheartening um but i you won't you won't hear me say a bad word about the music i just think that the packaging of it was just kind of off-putting, especially when it's followed up by Miley Cyrus then taking a knife to hip-hop in general and painting a broad brush saying it's nothing but degrading women, that's all hip-hop is, hip-hop is ever good for, and then she sheds the jerseys and the uh, the braids and all of that stuff and starts going back to her country roots uh, with Malibu. I was just like, okay, girl, so you literally just did that because you, you, you thought it was cool for a second and now you're done with it. Like it's So yeah, that was very, very annoying, and she should have been dragged for that, and she was dragged for that. But Bangers, the album is solid uh, hip-hop pop music. It's really good. I enjoy it a lot. I return to it a lot of the time. Yeah, I was a big fan of the music, and I was a big fan of... Just, you know, having something a little different, uh, there was, I, I feel like I got so much heat at the time because I always talked about how I didn't love it. And people were like, no, she's growing up. She's doing, you know, more adult things and she's allowed to not be a Disney Channel kid anymore. And I was like, yeah, no, I fully agree with that. I just didn't love the exact, like, I don't know, just how it was all evolving. Like, it felt like it was going from zero to a hundred. And Miley is Miley Cyrus has one of the most like beautiful voices. You know, she has such a gift uh, with with her voice. And you know, it's just I I think she could and she has you know in years since all of this, uh, you know, kind of shown us what she can do with you know a little bit of a slower kind of thing and 
not all of the crazy foam fingers and all the stuff that she was doing at the time. So I'm glad that we did get that eventually as, uh, you know, her adult music career was evolving. Just at the time, it wasn't really like landing with me very well. I was like, you know, I already have some of this stuff going on with other artists. I was like, I didn't really need it from Miley, but uh, it is what it is. I'm glad that, you know, everybody enjoyed it. And a lot of those songs, I agree, were uh, were a lot of fun, some good stuff there. And it gave us, you know, some Wrecking Ball, some uh, We Can't Stop and whatever the hell else was uh, from that era. So there was there was some good stuff. I'm just, I guess, happy to be out of it is uh, my my point. I mean, yeah, I mean, you could tell that it was a it was a 180, right? I mean, and she was she was trying to shed her, you know, do the whole thing about children growing up in the industry, trying to show that she's not a kid anymore and that she's an adult and that she is free to make her own decisions and yada, yada, yada. And I just want to, like, emphasize for anyone listening that Bangers is not a hip hop album. It is hip hop influenced. It is not hip hop before anybody comes for me or if anybody hears my words and says, oh, yeah, Bangers, hip hop. No, bitch. That is not a hip hop album. That is a pop album with hip hop influence. Just hmm. making that clear. Like I said, it's good. I returned to it. She was clearly trying to have a lot of fun with it, um, and ex- you know, exposed herself to a lot of producers that have been in that genre for quite some time. Making you're producing tracks for other artists for quite some time, and uh, obviously she had the access to it, being who she was. Um, and I think that I think that it was a like I said, I think it's one of the best pop albums of the 2010s. But mm-hmm. I just wish that the culture surrounding it was just a little bit kinder to the African-American community. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I leave it. Yeah, uh, we'll get we'll get into more of that later on when we actually get to Miley's number and uh, a little bit more when she actually is going to get, you know, name dropped in this episode. But for now, let's uh, hop over to New York City and see what's going on with Miss Rachel Berry. She is, uh, of course, still in the funny girl rehearsal part of, uh, of of what's going on now. She sits down at a it seems like a, a hair salon to get something done she's talking about how she wants a transformation she wants to look you know completely different she's gonna come in for rehearsal with her director rupert campion and uh he's giving some notes about uh the number that they're gonna rehearse today you are woman i am man and rachel is going to show off her new cut and the director is pissed he tells her he's like do you have any idea how broadway works I pick the choice. I make the choices. I pick your hair, your a- outfits, your this, your that, not you. So are you like, what are you possibly thinking? Rachel tells uh, Campion that she's like, I'm not a prop. I was hired to be Fanny and portray Fanny in my way, like to be my version of Fanny. I'm like, damn, this girl is bold. Woo. Uh, she tells him that she's been going through hell the last month and she just needed to snap out of it. And this was helping her do so. So she's like, can we just do the number and we'll see how it goes? And he's like, yeah, you know, what let's do it he's like anything to distract me from that hair uh and just to describe rachel's haircut if you're not watching it's just uh shorter it's just uh she had you know longer hair and now it's uh what would you would you call that a specific style is it a bob yeah it's a bob yeah. is it I, I don't know the exact names um and i thought it like was a little too long to be a bob but i don't know what i'm talking about so that's why i was uh, hoping that you would know so uh yeah I she is <laughs> still a bob Okay. Uh, sounds like it's a Bob. Um, Bob and Rachel are going. Sorry, I'm stupid. <laughs> are going to go into this performance with uh, her co-star, and uh, the two of them are going to do "You Are Woman, I Am Man," which is from Funny Girl, and they're going to uh, see how it goes. Which uh, how did it go? What do you think? Uh, I think that uh, Rachel sounds great. I think the her co-star sounds great as well, and I actually believed it. I was like. Leah, are you like using Rachel Berry to uh, 
start your own Funny Girl revival? Like, I, I kind of mm. felt like Leah was, like, making a bid for the role, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which we I know like, is I think she out. totally wants a Funny Girl, either movie or Broadway revival after she's done with Glee. Mm-hmm. And this is the uh, vehicle to make that happen. <laughs> yes. Uh, the director is going to stop them afterwards and he literally just stop. Uh, he tells her the haircut. That's it's perfect. So apparently throughout the song, he came around on it. He thought it was great. And he's going to tell her that she was right. It's exactly what you needed. And he's going to end rehearsal for the day. Uh, uh, having been satisfied with what he saw, having been satisfied with this choice that Rachel made, even though five minutes ago he was, uh, you know, a little annoyed about it to say the least. So, uh, yeah, number was okay. I really, uh, not a, big funny girl guy so uh, I just kind of go along with it and I'm like yeah she sounds good whatever Uh, she's gonna go home after this though and she's gonna talk to Kurt about how great rehearsal was and she shows off this new haircut but we find out that she actually did not cut her hair. She was wearing a wig the whole time. And uh, Rupert Campion, the director, did not know this at the time. But eventually, after all was said and done, Rachel did decide to tell him. Uh, Kurt is very confused. He's like, but you did what? You you what? You decide what? You made this decision to go in there and like, what if something happened? What if he didn't like it? What if he kicked you out of the show? Like he is freaking out that she just could have, you know, so casually just gone in there and decided this was a choice she was going to make. Uh, Rachel is going to call Kurt out on how boring he has been. And uh, she's like, I felt alive after taking a risk like this. And I didn't care that it could have messed everything up because I wanted to try it. I wanted to go for it. She's like, remember how everything in high school was so stressful and urgent. She's like, I I miss that. I want to feel that way again. And Kurt's going to kind of call her out a little bit and say, does this have anything to do with Finn? Like, again, it still feels like, you know, she could be maybe just holding back a little bit with uh, or just making different decisions than she usually would, which could, you know, easily be drawn back to Finn. Uh, She says, you know, maybe I just kind of want to dive headfirst into life these days. And Kurt's like, all right, well, you've convinced me. Let's go do something crazy. Rachel's going to say she's in. So uh, Kurt being boring is uh, I feel like a theme that runs throughout this show of him not being as exciting as some of his friends but yeah Rachel's kind of clocking him for it here yeah um, I can totally understand you know wanting to feel that rush of life again right like you kind of like sink into these routines and then before you know it like a month's gone by a year's gone by another year's gone by and like you're sort of like in this rigid part of your life so like yeah, I mean, I totally understand where Rachel's coming from. Like, I I want to feel that sense of urgency that we felt as young kids. Like, everything mattered. Everything felt like it was, like, the last time. Everything had to, you had to do it right then and there or you wouldn't get the chance again. And honestly, I feel like with balance and moderation, I think it's a healthy way to live. You know, you, you should live your life with, with urgency. You should live your life, you know, knowing that you're not always going to have another chance. Um, and don't take your time that you have for granted. So... For Kurt to sort of like slip into, like, I mean, he got it, you got engaged, and now what? You're like, you're an old married couple without even being married yet? Like, <laughs> dude, like, you're like, you're 19, you're living in New York City, you're going to one of the premier performing arts schools that you wanted to get in so badly. Like, yeah, like, Rachel's about to be on Broadway, and not saying that Kurt is just like a slob or anything, but like, yeah, I mean, why not? Like, live a little, like, you know, go out there. Have some new experiences. Yeah, he's always been 
you know, like I said, he's always been the one in this friendship, in this group that has always kind of been a little bit on the tamer side and just trying to, you know, kind of keep things calm and, and just live his life. But they are in New York and Rachel's point and Santana as well has just always been like, you guys got to do stuff like we're here. We're in New York. It's time to time to go out and do it. And uh, Rachel has kind of uh, despite the fact that obviously things seem to be a little bit more uh, ramped up for her at this point because she is, you know, trying to cope with everything with Finn and just like she says, throwing herself like headfirst into life right now. Uh, she has always been kind of that extra, you know, let me go out and do the, uh, see more and do more. So um, I feel like that's, you know, it, this all lines up. But uh, yeah, time to do something crazy. So we'll check back in with them in a little bit and uh, see what they decide to get themselves up to. I can't imagine it's going to end well, but who knows? We'll go back to uh, McKinley for now. And we're going to see Unique Adams is uh, in Will's classroom and she's going to ask him to go to the bathroom. Of course, he says yes. And she's going to go into the women's bathroom. Bree is in there and Bree stops her. And uh, immediately Unique is like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought this was the little boy's room. Uh, Bree is going to stop her and be like, stop right there. Voice of Elmo, do you honestly expect me to believe you stumbled in here by accident? And Unique pleads with her, please don't tell anybody. I'm just afraid to use the boy's bathroom. I don't feel comfortable in there. I just uh, I try to come in here during class so that nobody finds out or gets upset. And Bree's like, oh, don't worry. Your secret is safe with me. And Unique tells us that that's how it all started. The Great McKinley Bathroom Gender Riot of 2013. Bree figured out that the boys' room was a great place to make out and not get caught. And we're going to cut over to see Jake Puckerman and Bree making out in the boys' bathroom. Um, also, Stoner Brett has started to use the girls' bathroom because it was cleaner and it smelled better. And he also heard a rumor that the toilet seats were heated. And then the girls started using the boys' room when they heard that boys never had to wait in line. And then chaos just ensued. And we're going to see a clip of Unique entering one of the bathrooms where there's literally a rave going on in there. Uh, glow sticks and lights and cotton and like dressed outfits and I don't know what's happening at McKinley. Nobody ever does. But yeah, um, so Unique trying to use the bathroom that she feels most comfortable in. This is, you know, not um, any kind of new issue for trans people. And it's uh, being talked about on the show, which I think is a good thing. I think it's important that they keep bringing up things, uh, you know, in relation to how Unique is handling them. Because if we're going to have a trans character, I think it is important to kind of highlight a lot of the struggles that they face on a daily basis. And of course, for a trans student in high school, I can't even imagine, you know, what she went through with just the desire, just the struggle. I, I need to go to the bathroom. And, you know, people are going to be critical of her for using the women's bathroom. And, you know, this, this is a, a whole thing that, you know, real life bleeding into it as well. Um, but I guess they tried to, you know, put the little glee touch on it by all of a sudden there started this uh, whole riot. And now there's raves going on in there. I love this scene. <laughs> that whole party in the bathroom. Look, <laughs> I would have been in attendance. I would have been uh skipping class all year if that's what the bathroom scene in my school looked like and those bathrooms were spacious spacious mm -hmm. and the sinks were strong to be supporting all that weight of those kids <laughs> up on there dancing and twerking up and down the mirror like what the fuck and where did the where did the lights come from where did the music come from like i just yeah. i just need to know yeah it felt I a little bit of uh, uh harlem shake style going on in there i was like no, are we still trying <laughs> to uh keep that going honestly <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah so uh i mean any any thoughts on uh Unique, uh, 
I feel like uh, we left off with her in last season. I was, you know, thinking about how the majority of what she had going for her was everything with her and Ryder. And we saw yeah. how all that played out. We've kind of let that go, which I think is good. We told that story. We don't really need to continue with it. Uh, Ryder stuck around the Glee Club. And now in, uh, you know, this Glee Club of this year is, uh, you know, working on nationals and eventually going to graduate at some point. So we're kind of uh, starting to run out of time here and we're getting in some last bits of uh, unique story, which, like I said, I think is good. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's obviously they're trying to, like you said, uh, talk about this issue that's you know going to be on a national scale i do wish i do wish that we had gotten some sort of like resolution with the writer thing because it just seems so just like cut off but this is a hot button issue right and i think that they're handling it as well as they can uh i certainly hadn't really thought too much about it until glee i mean i think i feel like i probably heard rumblings about the whole transgender thing uh in the bathrooms around this time but i feel like the bathroom conversation didn't really start to 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 kick off at least not in mainstream media until 2015 2016 you know what i mean like i feel like this in a lot of ways glee was sort of like ahead of its time in trying to talk about this on a big platform if that makes sense yeah for sure so, yeah, um, definitely important that uh, this was being brought up and we'll see how it plays out throughout the rest of the episode. Let's go over to the news anchor desk, of course, at down at the uh, local news station that Sue and Sue's Corner is uh, going to get started at. We are, uh, of course, going to see Rod Remington and his co-anchor, which uh, I was surprised that she's still there. I thought she quit last time that they had to report about uh, something going on at McKinley with the warblers and all that stuff. She's like, this is news. Are you kidding me? And I thought she quit. Yeah. She's still here. That's what I said. I was like, didn't that girl quit? Yeah. (laughs) But they're married, right? Rod and this co-anchor. Are they? I thought they were like just dating at a time. I don't. They they got married too. I think they're married. I mean, we probably could look it up. Um, but I think I remember them. S- I thought I remember seeing something about them being married. Um, not positive. We can uh, we, we can look into it. But uh, they're of course at the station, and uh, they turn it over to Sue's corner, and Sue is going to address as she calls it, a nation at war. And she says uh, the nation faces a far more insidious foe than uh, this Syrian dictator that gassed up his own people that were uh, making fun of his extremely hilarious lip uh, lisp. Uh, we are talking, of course, about Miley Cyrus and the genital flapping dance known as twerking that makes men and women alike look like overgrown, constipated toddlers. This vulgar, sexually explicit excuse for a dance craze has brought American culture to a new low, and that's why tonight western ohio i pledge to end the pandemic of twerking imagine if we only had to deal with a pandemic of twerking rather than what we're dealing with um i, know, I right? just uh, it makes me uh wish for gladly, a pandemic of twerking gladly accept this pandemic i will go out and get i will i will gladly go out and get infected if this is the pandemic right uh uh, Sue, uh, what a, what a time to be worried about a pandemic of twerking. Uh, she says that she will not only outlaw twerking at McKinley High, but she has submitted a bill to the Ohio State Legislator banning twerking at Ohio public schools. And you know, Hannah Montana, she can go back to naked straddling the three-ton wrecking ball she was clearly upsold at Home Depot. As the tiny cinder block room she's elected to demolish is only about twelve square feet and only and already has a missing wall. 
And that's how Sue sees it. So Sue is uh, all in on taking away twerking, which the kids are very upset about the next day. They're uh, complaining to each other and to Will, and Will's going to agree with them that it is wrong what she is trying to do. He's like, the fact is that twerking is about blurring the lines, you know, between the past and present, between men and women, tradition and envelope push pushing. It's like everything that that's said in that Alan Thicke song that I love. And uh, they're like, Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke? And he's like, yeah, exactly. And uh, Artie's like, no, 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 no. That's not what that song is about. He uh, Will says, Sue Sylvester wants to draw a line in the sand. Well, we're going to blur it and blow this debate wide open. And let's put a pause on there because there are probably a lot of comments to come from both of us on Blurred Lines. But uh, any thoughts on Sue trying to ban twerking? Obviously, it's caused outrage. No, bitch, you cannot, dancing is part of freedom of expression, okay? You cannot ban a dance move. You just can't do it. She's trying. going to do ban walking next? Yeah. She's trying, she's trying. Uh, She will not stop until the twerking is done, uh, until it's all gone. She's just mad because she can't do it. And she probably could if she tried. Sue has a pretty pretty big booty. So (laughs) if she would just bend her ass over and let let it flop, she would probably be like, oh, you know what? This feels good, actually. She just didn't have to come for Hannah Montana like that. <laughs> but whatever. Oh, I, I will accept Hannah Montana slander. That's fine. That's oh, fine. No. Oh, no. All right. Well, we can put that aside because we have a lot to talk about here. We are going to get a performance from the New Directions, including Brie, and including their teacher, their coach, their director, their Will Schuster are going to do a performance uh everybody get up blurred lines okay well <laughs> we all oh. know what the song's about we all know very problematic talking about getting getting a girl drunk taking her home blurring the lines not really good it wouldn't even survive 7 years later you know what no. i mean like this song would be uh, dragged to the pits of hell, back up again, then dragged back down again. Like I'm it not just sure how it not. survived when it did. I, I, I mean, look, uh, it's easy to look past, uh, not look past. It's easy to not know what the song's about if you just hear it on the radio and you're like, oh, this is catchy. Hey, hey, hey. Like, like I was very guilty of that myself. I mean, I think a lot of people were. That's the reason that it got to be such a popular song of, you know, you didn't think about what it was about. Um, it, was, it wasn't honestly until like months or years later that I was kind of, I guess, informed what the song was about, which I see, you know, Will here as well is uh, feeling the same way that he did not know or pick up on what the song was. And uh, I just, again, don't know how this wasn't canceled sooner. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really messy. It's really bad. Um, there really isn't much way around it. It's embracing a culture that is very problematic and just not good. Um, uh, the fact that Glee did it, I mean, and then, I mean, not to jump the gun here, but after the performance is done, like Sue is going to call him out here. I don't necessarily know if it makes it better I, I just feel like it's you know well, we have to do blurred lines because it's a popular song it'll get people it's clearly a song that's steeped in controversy so if we do it on an episode that'll get some eyes and some ears um on the show so that's really good for us and then as long as we call it out for what it is at the end then 
we should be good but that doesn't like mean that watching the performance isn't cringy especially given i mean they already they dip so far into this strange relationship that will has with his kids right like they are always making jokes about it um about how he's like a borderline pederast right and then so for him to be the main person to perform this song like if this song if the kids had been performing the song and solely the kids and then will was like guys no we're not doing this shit like think about what you're actually saying yeah sure fine whatever but for him to be in it with the kids there's like underage girls twerking all around him. It's just, this is just y'all are going like this is y'all. Mm, why was it like was the goal to make us cringe that hard so that when Sue came in we would be t- it's like really Team Sue? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like there were different ways to be able to do that, and I don't know if this was like. I mean, I laughed at certain parts. Don't get me wrong. I, I understand like the, the 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 comedy that they were trying to go for. I just don't know if it was worth it. Yeah, no, you're definitely right about the fact that they thought that they could get away with it because they put that scene in at the end of Sue telling Will, why did you just do that? You don't genuinely like know what that song is about, do you? Um, as the song goes on, we see that you know Will is dancing up and down the hallway with twerking, dancing all around with everybody. Uh, I'm not too sure why Brie was involved, I guess, just because uh, you know we do see Jake and Marley making out or kind of kissing under their steps by one point, so we're just kind of further bringing that uh, along the story because it's gonna you know come to a head later in the episode uh, it's just so much inappropriate dancing going on and not inappropriate it's uh it's just like inappropriate for being around your teacher and i guess you know for being in the middle of a school day with your teacher right there like everything's happening on the stage uh while will is just dancing along with them and encouraging like whatever the hell is happening there uh kitty's like all over Artie in this episode so far um and yeah at the end of it jake is gonna hug marley and then kind of look back at brie because they're all on the stage together but then of course as we mentioned a couple times times already sue and will are going to be in the office and she tells him blurred lines is a song about date rape and will says no it's not and sue says will you need to back your ass up to the fact that you a married 37 year old just performed a song about coercive sexual advances as nine minors twerked alongside you down the hallways of a public school and will tries to defend himself he's like it's called the first amendment sue it's about freedom of expression and sue says well then feel free to express that out loud as you pace the floors of your dingy lonely apartment because you will schuster are fired and will says i am not leaving i will be appealing this to the school board Oh my goodness. Uh, Sometimes when, you know, the two of these guys argue, uh, when Will and Sue argue, you kind of tend to maybe take Will's side because he'll be on the New Direction side and Sue is a crazy person sometimes. But man, oh man, oh man, is Sue uh, on the right side of things here. And for once you're like, I know that Will Schuster's an idiot, but like, I didn't think he was this bad. No, I did. But man. I mean, even during the performance, he was like when they bur- barged into that classroom, the active class room. Uh, he like goes up to like the teacher and like grabs her by the hand, like kisses her on the hand. I'm like, you're like, you're married. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, right. This was just such. I feel like Will just took such a departure from who he is, and sort of became like a caricature of a caricature in this episode. It was so strange. I mean, he was going on all of these long rants about like how twerking is about freedom and shit like that and obviously they were like they were making fun of his his rants you know but it got to the point where i was like just annoyed i mean i'm already annoyed with will as a character but this was just like what are we doing here and you're right he should have been fired you're parading through the school 
getting people to get pulled out of class, twerking in the auditorium, uh, flirting with other teachers. Like, this is a school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you doing? This is a high school in Ohio. That right, is and we're just... supposed to suspend our disbelief, right? Usually for these performances, like, we're supposed to believe that they're dream sequences. But this obviously wasn't, because he gets no. called out on it later. It's like, you... You were twerking in the middle of the hall, like, with all these kids. Like, what the fuck are you doing? So this wasn't a dream. This actually happened. (laughs) Yeah. Is this the first time we're getting an actual age on Will Schuster? 37 years old? I think so. I feel like it is. Not surprised. I don't know if I would have expected older, younger. I feel like maybe I would have expected a little bit younger, considering how much he talks about his glory days that he makes sound like they were just yesterday. And doesn't he talk about those being in the 90s? Well, I don't know. I can't it count. It might have been. Well, he I can't He count. said disco was all the rage back then. So, but yes, that I guess that would make sense then because if he's 37, yeah, that would make sense. Then he would have had to have been Wait, no, if he's 37 in 2013, 20 years prior, he would be 17 and possibly in the glee club. So that does make sense. I just couldn't yeah. count. So, yeah. All right, well, uh, let's brush that aside if we can. I think we talked about uh, as much as we kind of could have gotten from there. Um, Blurred Lines will not make anybody's top 10, not make anybody's favorite song of the episode. If it does, you are free to report us, block us, um, call any local authorities that you think need to uh, handle what Amon and I are saying when we get to that segment. Uh, There's an issue if, uh, yes. So let's uh, move right on past that. We can go back to New York for a little brief check-in. Let's see what Rachel and Kurt are up to as they're trying to get in some trouble. Um, Not the Will kind of trouble, a different kind of trouble. They're going to show up at a tattoo parlor. And Kurt is uh, talking about how he thinks Blaine might get mad if he gets a tattoo, but... He's fine. They're about to do it anyway. Rachel pulls out a bottle from her bag and she drinks to Rebellion. Kurt's going to take a little bit of a drink, too. Uh, They are looking through the book of trying to decide what tattoos they want to get, surprising each other with what they end up picking out for themselves. Uh, The guy that works there comes out and he's like very quietly, darkly like asking them, so who's first? And they look pretty terrified, but they're going to do it anyway. Uh, As far as we know, as the next day, we're going to see back at the apartment. uh, Kurt is struggling to get through the morning. I guess they did some more drinking after they got back. Uh, And of course, that tattoo seemed to take a lot uh, out of him. Rachel's uh, making him some breakfast and Kurt like moves a little bit and he like his arm is in pain or is, uh, you know, where the tattoo is. He's like, I forgot it was there, but Rachel's asking him what he got. He says, it's exactly what he wanted. It's personal and it's political, you know, just like me. He tells Rachel that he got uh, a tattoo that says it gets better. Um, Rachel is going to look at it and she sees it, but it does not say it gets better. It says it's get better. And Rachel has to like, you know, double check it uh, to make sure that's what she's reading. Uh, But it is. And she immediately tells Kurt and, you know, freaks out that he has to get it removed. Kurt's like, of course I have to get it removed. Are you kidding me? Like that idiot. Like what? What? Like how could he possibly have been so stupid to write that? As he starts to calm down a little bit, he's going to ask Rachel to show her tattoo. And she tells him that she didn't go through with it. She decided uh, that none of her idols have tattoos and she's really sorry. But he was already halfway through getting his at the time and she did didn't want to stop him so she decided not to get it and he's really upset about this because he thought this was like a bonding thing between the two of them both of them getting tattoos and now he has it's get better on his uh you know behind his shoulder and rachel apparently has no tattoos so uh that took a left turn that uh he was not expecting yeah that was shitty rachel you can't you can't you were the one that convinced him that this was your idea bitch (laughs) like and then you back out at the end come on Come on. 
But that tattoo artist, like, really? Really? <laughs> I Yeah, yeah. We'll find out, you know, a little bit later about the actual way that all went down. But, like, come on, tattoo guy. Like, do they really just... I don't know, but I guess also, so I guess what they're leading us to believe is that, you know, like maybe the guy did ask Kurt again if he's sure that's what he wanted. And Kurt said yes, but maybe Kurt had been drinking a lot by that point. I mean, we know they had a whole bottle with them. He said that he had two shots of limoncello, (laughs) which is a liqueur usually. I mean, it can get pretty strong, but liqueurs are usually like not as strong as like hard liquors like vodkas and tequilas like they're more like flavoring you know what i mean like if you want a lemon flavored drink then you'll get some limoncello in there so for you to have two shots of a liqueur like the tolerance but they are 19 like they're not they're not really experienced with drinking especially uh kurt he doesn't really do drinking at all like neither he nor finn does the drinking um so i guess two shots is all it took for him to like lose his mind yeah, uh, definitely uh, did not <laughs> seem to go very well for the two of them. And um, I guess we might as well just kind of talk more about this now, even though it's like later on in the episode. They really space out the New York stuff here. But Kurt's going to actually go confront the tattoo guy. And he tells him, uh, he tells him, like, are you crazy? Do you see what you wrote on my back? And by the way, like, just kind of a uh, small note here. Chris Cole for taking his shirt off, I feel like is not a normal thing. But I mean, he looks good. Uh, he like he's working out or something like that. Yeah, more confidence to kind of show off what he's what he's working with yeah i mean like i said season four and season five a lot of these uh kids looking good working out you know they're like i'm on glee now bitch i need to be looking right so letting loose a little bit it's uh yeah it's it's a lot of them Uh, i agree uh seem to be uh you know shaping up a little bit uh but he goes back to the tattoo parlor and he like i said yells at the guy but the guy shows him exactly what he was given to write on kurt which is a typed out piece of paper with uh it's get better on it and so kurt uh sees that he did give him the wrong thing to write he's like i guess i just made a mistake when i was typing and he's freaking out about it but uh he is you know the guy is going to call him out a little bit and be like so dude what are you even doing here like i don't understand you don't seem like the tattoo type kurt tells him that he wanted to do something a little bit on the edge he's just so weighed down by his predictability and everybody you know always knows what he's going to do next The guy tries to comfort Kurt a little bit by showing him a tattoo that he has on his chest, and it's uh, a demon that looks like John Davidson. And he says he got it while he was trashed in Hong Kong, and he wanted a Harley Davidson tattoo, but things got a little bit mixed up. And he's like, my whole body is covered in mistake ink. Like, look at me. I'm just, you know, there's ink everywhere. And of course, some of them were mistakes that kind of get turned around into something that's a little bit better. So he's going to ask Kurt, let me uh, let me have one more shot at doing your tattoo. I'm happy to fix it up for you for no charge. And I'll even throw in a tongue piercing if you want. And uh, <laughs> Kurt's a little like hesitant. I think uh, he, he doesn't seem positive. I mean, I think it's probably the tongue piercing that's uh, throwing him off a little bit here but the guy tells Kurt you can't back out now you have to go all in even more go go nuts and uh, that's where you find the juice of life so he's really trying to uh, fix the tattoo and let's see if Kurt walks out of here with a tongue piercing yeah I mean I'm not really sure if I would trust this guy again because I mean like look you you it's not that Kurt was insisting that it's it's get better he didn't insist that. You said that's what he wrote down, and you didn't ask questions because you didn't want to hear any stories. But you could clearly, you could probably clearly tell that Kurt was drunk. When he typed it out, he fucked up with the apostrophe. Like, come on. Come on. Like, 
Use use your use your brain. Like I just I hate that shit. It's really <laughs> annoying. I would have wanted my money back immediately. But I guess he probably signed somewhere on it, so Yeah. I kind of I, I as much as I don't really I think he's a seedy kind of guy. I mean, I kind of like what he had to say it was kind of the same uh advice that rachel gave him that ended up with this horrible tattoo so i don't really know if i would have gone through with it but clearly kurt needs to live a little and uh you know i guess this is just sometimes when you live a little you you fuck up but you know why not try and fix it if you Mm -hmm. can especially if it's gonna be a free charge like yeah why not hmm. tongue piercing i don't really know about but um yeah i don't know about that shit either Easily fix it up. I used to want a, I don't know what it's called, uh, maybe like a bar that would be in the eyebrow thing. I was, I wanted that. I didn't get it. Do you want, do you want anything now? No. Um, pro- I, I mean, I probably couldn't. My boss isn't really big on the whole tattoos and piercings thing. If, and I, even if that wasn't the case, I don't know. I was always considering getting my ears pierced for like my whole life, but it never happened. Um, I thought that that'd be worthwhile. And then, like I said, I wanted the bar. Uh, maybe, maybe is it an industrial bar? Is that what I'm trying to think of? I was, uh, I always thought that that'd be worthwhile, but it's, uh, it, it did not come to come to be. So I kind of lost my actual youth years of, uh, not trying it out, but. Who knows? Maybe someday. Maybe, maybe, maybe. What about you? Um, I've never really been too big on the piercings. Uh, I've never really been too big on tattoos either. I've always kind of felt like, oh, my God, I'm going to wake up one day and regret it. and I'm going to try and get it off and I will never be able to get it off. Um, but the order that I get, I'm, I'm like really I went to uh, California with a couple of friends for a wedding the other day. And we were, the, other, the other day last year. And we were um, <laughs> talking about tattoos and my friend came up with this idea. He was like, oh, I'm on. you should totally get a small Mickey Mouse head somewhere. I think that you'd really enjoy that. And I haven't gotten the idea out of my head since. So I'm really thinking about getting like a small Mickey Mouse head, like maybe on my hip, my lower back, lower abdomen, somewhere like only I can see it, essentially. Mm-hmm. Well, I expect that I will have a Mickey Mouse tattoo as well on my body at some point or another in my life, considering uh, it's a, a pretty common bond within my family as well. My mom is big Disney head, which transferred over to me throughout my life. And uh, I, I've always thought that one day I will end up with a Mickey on my body in some way. So I guess we'll have matching tattoos after all. Oh, my God. Do you want to get it done together? Um, I really don't want to get it done at all. But like I said, I just think it might just be inevitable one day. But if it ever does happen, there I'll tell you are that. like at least a dozen documented instances on this podcast where I ask Matt if he wants to do something with me and it's a denial each and every time. You would think that I would learn my lesson, but I guess not. It's you should fine. talk to like my like best friends from home like in real life. That's how it that's how it works. People ask me to do something and I'm like, "Yeah, I mean." So, truly, uh this is just you experiencing uh what it's like to be my friend. So, you should feel honored. Uh, whatever. I'm going to go make my appointment now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'll come with you. I can I can do that, but we'll see. Uh, let's go back to McKinley, and we're going to check back in with Unique, who is going to walk over this time uh, to the boys' bathroom. Obviously not where she wants to be, but she uh, doesn't seem to you know feel comfortable going in either bathroom, but maybe this one she'll get less crap for it in. But no, that's not the case. She's going to walk in and see a couple of nameless assholes from the football team. And the guy is going to stop her and say, oh, well, if it isn't the Q and the LGBTQXYZ, who gives a crap? He's like, you want me to warm the seat up for you, sweetheart? Look, we get it. 
It must be hell hiking up that lovely dress at a urinal. Unique's like, would you just let me do my business and I'll go, please? And like, she is very scared at this point. Like she's look, you know, she's around a, a couple bullies and she's in the bathroom. Like, look, at, can't even possibly begin to imagine the fear that goes through her anytime that like she has to go to the bathroom a in the first place or B and then there's bullies in there like, Oh, this is terrible. But the guys in there are like, Oh, sorry. We're just so curious how exactly you do go to the bathroom. You know, don't be scared. We're all, we're all guys here. Uh, one of the nameless assholes are going to take unique's hair and flush it down the toilet. And they're going to head out of the bathroom to leave her just in there by herself. And uh, she's going to start crying, but also going into a performance here of if I were a boy, and uh, Unique is going to end up leaving the bathroom, going back to the choir room and singing to all the kids in there who are giving her their full attention. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful number, um, which I can't help but notice that she's performing while the whiteboard behind her says twerk on it. So like I screenshotted that of uh, just a beautiful if I were a boy cover with twerk in the background. Uh, but she's obviously very upset. And at the end of the number, Jake and Ryder are going to get up and say they want names. Very reminiscent of like. All of the kids making, you know, uh, coming to Kurt's defense earlier on in a couple of seasons back, uh, the football guys that were like, we'll take care of it. Just tell us exactly who to go find. But Unique is saying thank you for the support, but that won't fix anything. It just might make things worse. So beautiful performance. But again, really tough to see Unique going through all this. In 2019, advocates tracked at least 27 deaths of at least transgender or gender nonconforming people in the U.S. due to fatal violence, the majority of whom were black transgender women. These victims, like all of us, are loving partners, parents, family members, friends, and community members. They worked, went to school, and attended church. They were real people, people who did not deserve to have their lives taken from them. These victims were killed by acquaintances, partners, or strangers, some of whom have been arrested and charged, while others have yet to be identified. Some of these cases involve clear anti-transgender bias. In others, the victim's transgender status may have put them at risk in other ways, such as forcing them into unemployment, poverty, homelessness, and or survival sex work. While the details of these cases differ, it is clear that fatal violence disproportionately affects transgender women of color, particularly black transgender women, and the intersections of racism, sexism, homophobia, biphobia, transphobia, and unchecked access to guns conspire to deprive them of employment, housing, health care, and other necessities. The Human Rights Campaign Foundation's Dismantling a Culture of Violence report demonstrates how anti-transgender stigma, denial of opportunity, and increased risk factors compound to create a culture of violence and provides clear ways that each of us can directly make an impact to make our society a safer place for transgender and gender nonconforming people. As is too often the case in the reporting of anti-transgender violence, many of these victims are misgendered in local police statements and media reports which can delay our awareness of deadly incidents in the pursuit of greater accuracy and respect for transgender and gender nonconforming people in both life and death, HRC offers guidelines for journalists and others who report on these communities. Sadly, 2020 has already seen at least 26 transgender or gender nonconforming people fatally shot or killed by other violent means. We say at least because too often these stories go unreported or misreported. As HRC, HRC continues to work towards justice and equality for transgender and gender nonconforming people, we mourn those we have lost. This is a real issue that has been going on for a very long time. And it's some it's one of those things where if it does not affect you, it's hard to see eye to eye with the real disparity here. 
Um, there are just far too many deaths. That was from the uh, Human Rights Campaign website, by the way, if anybody wanted to go and read it for themselves. There have been just far too many deaths that are treated with such disregard because we still have a deep-seated issue with transgendered people, gender nonconforming people, gay people, and it especially is going to affect people of color in more instances in terms of transgendered violence, black women, because they are at the very, black women are already the most mistreated demographic of people in the United States. Transgendered black women, lower on the totem pole. This is a story that needs to be told, needs to be seen, because even if you don't know a lot of them, a lot of them die. And it's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's another pandemic that happens, and we just, we just don't talk about it enough. And I'm glad that there are more TV shows like Glee back in 2013, and now more specifically like Pose, that are normalizing these bodies, putting these bodies on television, putting them, uh, nominating, well, actually, they haven't been nominated. That's a, that's a really uh, shocking thing. When it comes to Pose, none of those women have been nominated, and it's really some fucked up shit. But the fact that these bodies are being put on display, it's so important because until people become more aware that these people exist and that they have lives, real lives that they lead, nothing will change. Uh, and so this this small scene here in this TV show is just speaking to such a broader issue. And I, I, I hate to sound really preachy, but I mean, enough is enough. At some point, either you have to care or you decide to remain indifferent and then nothing changes. And so if anyone's listening to this and uh, would like to learn more, I highly suggest, uh, you know, donating to charities that we can surely put in descriptions below go to the human rights campaign website read the research for yourself hear the stories of other uh transgendered people uh specifically trans trans people of color read their stories they're here they're screaming for help they need help they do point blank period Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for uh, for diving into that because it's uh, extremely important to uh, to talk about, like you said, to just to to make this all public and to make people you know aware of a lot of things that have been kind of swept under the rug for many years. And it's you know we're in a time right now where people are hopefully waking up to this kind of stuff. And uh, more specifically, you mentioned Pose, and I had just finished watching that show, and I can't recommend it enough to anybody out there. I mean. You think you know things and you think you know, you know, some stories and you think you know this and that. And then you just learn so much more. And there's just always more to keep learning, especially for somebody who can be nothing but an ally uh, to some to the people that need the help right now. Like it's like a show like that. It really like brought to light so many things that, like I said, I had not known. I was not as aware of as I could have been. Um, and just it's presented to you in a very compelling way. Um, it's another Ryan Murphy project. So uh, really could not recommend that anymore. And like I said, uh, thank you again for, uh, for, for bringing that up. It's just uh, something that is extremely important. Uh, the, this is a whole different time back in even 2013 that we're getting this story from unique. And I think with time, you know, if this was here in 2020, this would be handled, handled with even more care. And, you know, the episode would have been, 
ended with uh, with more information and places that you can go for uh, everything you just said, like all the links that we definitely can provide um, in the description for this podcast. But um, there are so many different places that people should be looking to get more information on this, to donate um, anything that they can and all that kind of stuff. So um, I'm glad that the story was at least being opened up back in 2013. And I'm glad that it's, you know, continued to evolve over time for people to learn more and more, but we still, you know, have so much more to go before we get to, uh, you know, any kind of place where, uh, trans women of color can, you know, be feeling safe at all. Um, it's just not the case just yet, but I, I do hope that we are getting there. Yeah. And it's so, it's so like, and we can, we can, we can move on after this, but I just wanted to make the point that it's so important I mean, that we continue to learn, like you said, because, I mean, even as a gay man, like, I'm still, all I can be is be an ally. You know what I mean? It's it's sort of like the same thing with white people and people of color. Like, all they can do is be allies. All they can do is continuously listen to stories and try and and, and, and be there for them because they're never really going to be able to understand what it's like to exist in that body. You just... It's just physically impossible, and that's okay. It's just as long as you are tr- doing your best to continuously educate yourself. So, as a gay man, I, I'm not. That doesn't make me trans. Like I, I'm still a man. I'm still a cisgendered man, and so I still have a duty to listen and to um, not speak for them, but at least try and amplify their voices. And I think that what, some, what something that's so important about Pose and what I um, really I, I heard about it, and it really it made me you know, really think about it because a lot of people have issue with the fact that unique is portrayed by a gay man, right. And not a transgendered actor. Right. Um, and one of the really good things about pose is that there are transgendered characters being portrayed by transgender actors, because what that does is you see that person on the screen, right. As a transgendered person. And then off screen at the Emmys, that person is the same person. It's still a transgendered person. And so what that does is it removes the already deeply ingrained stigma that, no, this person is actually a man and they're trying to trick me. No, MJ Rodriguez is is a transgendered woman playing a transgendered woman on television. There's no tricking going on here. This is a woman playing a woman. That's it. So there's a lot of controversy with Unique's character, whether or not Alex Newell was the person to bring that to light. I'm not really necessarily sure if I'm qualified to, 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 to really talk too much about that. But I will say that it's so great that in the year 2020, we do have a show on television, on network television, that is putting these transgendered actors in positions where they are the most qualified to tell these stories because they are the, they're, they're, those are their stories. And so I just wanted to, to put that out there. Mm-hmm. For sure. And uh, I do. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like uh, I didn't see a whole lot back at the time. I wasn't you know, paying attention nearly as much um, for any kind of criticism towards uh, Alex Newell at the time. But I know that over the years, I think generally the character and the actor get high praise from uh, a lot of people for how that all went down. And it's just... I can't do much but echo everything that you're saying about how uh, everything in Pose was done really well with the actors that were given the opportunity to tell their story. I I really can do nothing but uh, recommend it 
highly as highly as possible. Um, I already have to a couple of different friends that I know would really enjoy watching it. And uh, to anybody else out there, you know, if you're looking for something else to add to your lineup with uh, Glee on the side and uh, whatever the heck else you're watching right now, uh, please do check out Pose. If anything, to like learn, you know what I mean? To yeah. like use entertainment to like dip your toe in the waters, you know what I mean? Because it can be really overwhelming when a lot of people are like, you need to do your research, you need to educate yourself. It can, a lot of people can get turned off by that because they're like, well, I don't know where to go. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, then fucking watch posts at the very least. Just watch stories that are being told by these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like you're sitting there for a two hour documentary about something that's going to bore the crap out of you. Like it's compelling stories in a in, in a Ryan Murphy show. Like what else could you honestly want if you're listening to this podcast? So uh, go mm-hmm. absolutely check that out. And um, like I said, or I was trying to uh, say not sure if there's an easy way to transition back to the uh, episode. But uh, did you give any thoughts on this number? And uh, if not, did you have any? I mean, I, I think that the song choice is expert, right? Like it, she's talking about, you know, if if I were a boy, then I'd be able to to do all of the things that I mean like the the song is is saying more more than what it's usually meant to say, right? Like it's a, like Beyoncé was singing about how if she she would like if if she were a boy, if she were a man, then maybe she wouldn't feel this way as a woman. Like maybe she wouldn't feel the need to be so connected. Maybe, you know, all of the stereotypical things that come with being a woman in a relationship, if she were a guy, maybe it would be easier for her to like sort of like, you know, not pay as much attention to it. But in this performance, it's more like what well, if I actually were a boy, like all of you are telling me that I am then I wouldn't be in such pain right now. Like, I'm not a boy. <laughs> like, right. listen to me. <laughs> yeah, and I just appreciate the way that, like I said, everybody in the room is uh, paying close attention to everything that Unique is saying with every word they are hanging on to it. And then at the end, Jake and Ryder getting up saying that, like, we are here for you. We are here here to uh, help you. And, you know, if they have to go beat somebody up, that's the high school boy way of uh, trying to offer some help. So they are mm-hmm. uh, in on doing that. Uh, after all of this, we're going to kind of cut in for some stupidness as we go over to the auditorium and we see that Will and the New Directions are all there for a school board meeting where Will is uh, as teacher of the year, which surprises some people on the board. They're like, that can't be right. Uh, Will is going to get up there and talk about the twerking ban. And he says he's going to go into this entire spiel about all these different styles of dance. And he actually has the New Directions with him to show the different styles of dance live for everybody that is watching from the school board to show look at these dances we have the waltz we have the charleston we have uh the uh, i didn't write them all down uh all, the lambada all of these different dances that were considered scandalous and forbidden and and crazy for people to be doing back in the day and now we look back at them and it's just you know it's it's a dance it's something that is uh, representative of the time and it's not something that to this day people are like oh they can't do that dance anymore. So he's asking them. So twerking, I guarantee you guys in 20 years, twerking is going to be considered some silly nostalgic dance. So what do you think? Do you want to be on the right side of musical history? And the kids, uh, sorry, the, the, I wrote the judges. They're not judges. <laughs> the school board, uh, they're sitting in like judges tables are uh, looking up at Will and they're kind of considering, I guess, the words that he is saying, but we don't really get a definitive answer just yet. But uh, what did you think of Will's method of trying to incorporate twerking back into, uh, into his plans? I mean, it's pretty spot on. Like, I mean, there's really no reason to, 
first of all, like, how are you going to ban a dance move? Like, do you even have the power to do that as principal? Like, that seems like, no. No, bitch. Like, no, you can't ban people dancing. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. But on top of that, like, yeah, Will's right. Like, every every decade, there's something new. It's like, oh, my God. Like, depravity. Oh, my God. We're, we're you know, going further from God's light. Oh, my God. Like, we're all going to, like, we're this country's going to hell in a handbasket because... The kids are doing the twists or the mashed potatoes, the scandalous mark of the beast. Oh, my God. Like, shut the fuck up. If you don't get your ass on this dance floor and dance your, dance your ass off, like, people are just so, people just don't want to be happy. <laughs> like, just shake your ass. <laughs> yeah. Um, I They're trying. They're trying to shake their ass, and uh, they're getting stopped. They're working towards getting this all hammered out, but... Sue and Will are going to have a meeting where they are going to continue the discussion they've been having, but it's kind of going to turn a little bit because now that uh, the unique stuff has been brought to light and uh, it's, you know, unique has been, I guess, more vocal about things that have been going on, especially after that recent bullying incident where we saw how that all went down before the song. Uh, Sue is aware of unique's desire to be able to have a safe place to go to the bathroom. So, she decided that she was so moved by Unique's plead with her that she was going to prove to Will that she cared, and she decided to give Unique her own bathroom, which we are going to cut over to the choir room, and we see a giant porta potty bolted to the floor in there. It is purple with question marks all over it from the top to the bottom. Everybody is in the choir room looking at it like, what the hell is this? And uh, all of a sudden, Tina emerges from it, who I guess was just using it. And they're like, Tina, what are you doing? And she's like, what? It's a convenient bathroom. Like, well, leave me alone. So that's Sue's attempt at doing this. And besides the fact that this is already weird, like, why did it have to have a million question marks all over it? Like, why are we doing that? Because Sue can't help but be transphobic while she's trying to be helpful. She really like, can't. She calls Unique uh, a he, of course, completely misgendering on purpose at this point. So It's shitty. It really it's is. It's really shitty. It, I mean, does fucking Emma have a pamphlet for Tina? Like, oh, so you like to use the bathroom that's not yours. Like, <laughs> like it's really fucking annoying. Like, Tina, come on. I mean, Emma oh, needs to get a, a pamphlet for Sue. Oh, so you're a transphobic monster and uh you know you're terrible to uh people who need your help great i mean sue prides mm-hmm. herself on being there for kurt when karofsky was bullying him left and right but now unique needs to just go to the bathroom and uh sue is putting a porta potty in the middle of a rehearsal space with question marks to imply that uh something you know questionable or confusing is happening with like this so so the question that i have here is does this age poorly? Because I'm I'm having a rough time balancing, and I guess it would be nice to get like a trans person's perspective on this because they're the people that are the most affected by this. Um, but I'm having a hard time balancing what is just poor storytelling that does not translate well in the year 2020, and what is clearly Glee is well aware of the plight of transgendered people, but it's also Glee, so they're trying to inject comedy into it. Um, but they're very well aware that this is like they're they're planning on telling the story and be like, look, she gets to have the bathroom, and she gets to have her own bathroom if that's what it takes for her to feel 
comfortable, which is essentially what happens at the end of the episode. But they just had to do about this roundabout because every story needs a villain. Like you need you need someone that's clearly on the opposition so that you can learn, right? Like if Sue's not there, then there's no opposition. Then it's just an echo chamber of transgendered people are accepted and they have no problems, which is clearly just not realistic. You know what I mean? So is Sue's shit here? Is it is it aging poorly or is it just Sue being the villain in the story for this for the sole fact of like teaching the audience something as they're watching? I think it ages poorly. Um, I don't know what I'm learning from this at all. I think I mean, I think we're learning a lot from Unique's perspective of just trying to understand and sympathize with Unique in the position that she's in. Um, I don't think that I'm getting anything out of this from the Sue perspective. I don't think that, you know, Sue, she says, I, you know, I, I was sympathetic towards what Unique said to me. But like I said, she misgenders Unique while she's saying that. And then she does this whole thing with the uh, porta potty. So I like I don't feel like I'm getting anything out of it. It's just, yeah, I, if if we have any transgendered uh, um, listeners, oh my goodness, feel free. Or maybe, you know what, maybe it's a conversation that we can have with someone that the both of us know and we can maybe insert it into this. Uh, we can ask them to watch the episode and see how they feel about it. Because I, like, I, I don't want to speak um, for anyone, but for me, like I just struggle with it sometimes because I'm just like... If you if you don't have because the, the the fact of the matter is transphobia exists right it has to exist within your storytelling or it's just not honest storytelling so where do we draw the line because we have to be as honest as possible it's kind of like pose like spoiler alert well I won't I won't say anything I won't I won't mention characters names but someone dies because of pure transphobia right that within itself that like right there is like a clear cut like Someone is killed off because of, like, who they are as a person, and it's a real issue that we face, right? That's honest storytelling. Is Sue uh, referring to Unique as a he, is that also honest storytelling? Or is it poorly aging storytelling? You know what I mean? Because if there's no one that's misgendering her, then what's the story here, if that makes sense? Yeah. Yeah, um, I think we definitely would benefit from having an outside perspective, and I know that both of us are definitely uh, able, capable of uh, of gaining that perspective from uh, people that we are friendly with and close to. So uh, hopefully, we can report back to you guys with that, and uh, we'll we'll uh, save some of that conversation for another day, maybe a separate podcast. Even I definitely would be open to that. I think it would be uh, pretty beneficial to all of us involved. But again, uh, to somewhat work our way back into the episode, it's uh, that's how Glee tends to be in these later seasons as they try to tackle these important topics and then mixed back in with uh, a cheating scandal, which uh, is what's up next as uh, Bree is going to stop Marley in the hallway and they are watching a Vine. Oh, God. Wow. Vine. Remember Vine? Uh, not not a TikTok, a Vine of uh, Marley and Jake dancing during Blurred Lines. Uh, Marley is trying to storm off and walk away because she is uh, annoyed about Bree's presence. Uh, Bree, sorry, Bree, not Bree. They were talking about, you know, all the awkward twerking that was going on. And Bree tells her that twerking is actually not that hard. You know, you just have to have the right partner. How do you think your boyfriend got so good at it? And Marley's face drops and Bree says, oh yeah, Jake didn't tell you? After your pathetic night of, don't touch me there, I mean it, Jake. He came running to me and we twerked all night long. And Marley says, uh, no, Jake's not like that. And if he was, he would aim a lot higher than trash like you. And Brie goes, oh, 
That is slut-shaming. You are using the derogatory label trash for a female's natural sensuality. It's femophobic, it's neo-retrogenderist, and clear forms of bullying. And as this beautiful poster clearly states, this is a bully-free zone. But I will be the better person and not report you to Principal Sylvester for immediate expulsion. Oh, and by the way, you know that cute little mole on Jake's right hip and how when you kiss it, it drives him absolutely crazy? Oh, wait... Of course you wouldn't know about that, would you? Well, trust me, he loves it. Cat's out of the bag. Yeah, fuck Jake for this. <laughs> and so did Bree. So, I mean, <laughs> the last thing that Marley said to Jake was, go, go be with those other girls. And not to say that that's, that Jake obviously... I know she didn't mean it. I know she didn't mean it. But I was surprised that that's not what Jake said to her whenever uh, ever she's going to confront him next about this. Because... Yeah. It seems like the exact same thing that he, it seems like something that he would say. Yeah, she's going to find him in the hallway and she tells him to pull down his pants uh, because she wants to see the mole and see that Brie is lying and that you didn't really cheat on me with her, uh, specifically with her. So, I mean, I don't think Jake's about to drop his pants in the middle of the hallway, but uh, he says that uh, he, I mean, well, he can't find anything to say. He's just sitting there like staring at her and he's like, Marley, like, you know, uh, so trying to be so like, you know. Uh, Marley, no, don't do this. Uh, But she's going to storm off hysterically crying towards the auditorium. And uh, Marley's going to go into this performance of Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball. And of course, uh, I'm sure you've seen this if you're watching or if you're listening along. But if you haven't, please do uh, go back and uh, watch this performance as Marley is up on the Wrecking Ball. They try to recreate a little bit of the Miley Cyrus video with... Marley in this blue dress on the wrecking ball, smashing through a brick wall and taking a brick and throwing it through a window of the set and all this kind of stuff. It did feel pretty sure horned in there to have this performance done so abruptly and all of this kind of yes. stuff. It felt very shoehorned in there, but look, uh, I think they wanted to get wrecking ball in there no matter how forced it had to be. And that's what they did. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Miley Cyrus of it all, you know, got to get it in there. I love how she's like a modest version of what Miley Cyrus wears in the, in the Wrecking Ball video. <laughs> because she's modest Marley. I just love yes. that. Did you enjoy the performance or uh, kind of take it or leave it? Uh, I mean, it's middling. Like, it's whatever. Like, I don't, I'm not particularly moved by it. I think she sounds great. I'm just like, whatever. Yeah, uh, definitely, you know, we want to get a couple of uh, Melissa Benoist numbers in here. Uh, it's not all the time that that's going to be the case, but she's got a good voice and she's, you know, the the new Rachel. She's one of the stars of this new club. So not surprised that they were going to give this to her. Um, but yeah, so Jake's not going to drop his pants. Marley is upset that she seems that this she seems to uh, be aware that, yes, this is true. Jake cheated on her with Brett. Um, so that sucks for all parties involved, uh, or at least for Marley. Uh, Jake sucks for doing that. Back in the choir room, all the kids are doing some more twerk practice around the porta potty. Unique is going to ask Mr. Shu that uh, she needs to use the magic bathroom. And uh, the kids are all like, oh, come on. Like, uh, we didn't think anyone's actually going to use it besides Tina running in there every time that, uh, you know, she gets a chance to. Um, Will says, no, you don't need to use it. Uh, it's not, it's, it's fine. And, uh, again, Tina decides to use this opportunity. If uh, Unique's not about to go in there, she's going to use it. So Mr. Shu takes Unique to the hallway and starts to walk her down to the bathroom. Unique is like, thank you, Mr. Shu, but I don't need a bodyguard. It's not about the bathroom. You know, it's about just feeling like I don't belong. And he says that he's like, I hate to say it, but I have a feeling that as long as you keep being yourself, your life is probably going to be a constant string of feeling like you don't belong. Uh, she's like, yeah, I guess I should probably just start getting used to it. And he says, no, no, 
don't know. You should never get used to it. All great change has to come from people who refused to get used to what was accepted but wasn't right. Slavery, gay rights, uh, the new Coke. Uh, so she's like, so what you're saying is says, I should pull a Rosa Parks and refuse to give up my seat in the girls' bathroom. He says, unfortunately, you're not going to change the world overnight with some radical acts of rebellion, but you just need to keep finding the places that you belong and the people that you belong with. And then you'll have an army to fight alongside you until the world is finally brave enough to accept you for who you really are. And she gets it. She's like, I know, you know, it's hard, but, uh, you know, I dress like this every morning, knowing that almost nobody's going to understand, but I don't have a choice. You know, it's who I am. And she thanks him for seeing just how hard it is. He, uh, he is uh, continuing to sympathize with her. He says, nobody should have to work so hard and risk so much. But, uh, from now on, whenever nature calls, I want you to find me and I will open up this door for you. It's a single stall co-ed bathroom. Nobody needs to know unique how you identify yourself. They just need to know that you washed your hands after you, you know, use the bathroom. So Unique is thankful for this uh, kind gesture from Will to, you know, really put a little bit of an extra effort in to make sure that she's comfortable going to the bathroom. Um, it's, you know, again, just such a simple act of using the bathroom that every human being on Earth has to do. But given the way that bathrooms are structured, of course, this is an issue for trans people that is, like you said, a hot button topic, has been for many years and uh, probably still is to this day uh, in a lot of places that are not you know, not as uh, as far along as other places are. So McKinley High being one of them, of course, uh, that Unique is having a hard time with all this, but Will really is trying to help her out. So uh, the only downside to all of this is as they are having this conversation and Unique is being led in the bathroom, Sue is going to see it all go down and she's pretty pissed off. Will's going to come by Sue's office and... Becky uh, stops him. Will's like, hi, Becky. I'm here to see Sue. She's like, do you have an appointment? He says, no. She says, then get out, bitch. (laughs) Uh, Sue tells (laughs) Becky, it's okay. It's okay, Becky. You can let him in. Uh, Will is going to come into the office. Sue says, I saw what you did. uh, And that must be so degrading for Unique. Sue says, I have a deal uh, I'll make with you. I'll give Unique a key to that bathroom if your glee club will stop twerking. Will says, no. Sue can't believe it. She's like, this, William? This is what you're going to stick your feet in the mud on and not give up on? Like, this twerking? And Will says, it's not about the twerking. It's about standing up to the Sue Sylvesters. And Sue says, well, fine. Have it your way. The porta potty's going to stay there. And Will says, all right, fine. Then I'm going to throw a Sue Sylvester-style storm out uh, on my way out of the office. And uh, as he leaves the office, we're going to get some dramatic music as he's throwing stuff all over the place the way that she does when she would leave Figgins' office, which is going to piss off Becky even further, and she's going to follow him at the door, and conveniently a xylophone is happening to be passed by Sue's office as she will knock it over as uh, she loves to do. So, whole lot to unpack there, but uh, dive on in wherever you feel like. The get out bitch is one of the most iconic uh, lines from Becky Jackson. I'll just laugh my ass off. But for Sue to like hold uh, a bathroom hostage over a fucking ass shake come on girl like get over it join the party join the club Uh, i'm just glad that no matter what uh she'll have a key because even if even if sue doesn't want to give her the key uh mr shoe will so fuck you sue I mean, Will Will easily could have like gotten a copy of the key made, uh, just right. to, you know, not, exactly. not pick, not nitpick, but glad uh, he's making the gesture, and hopefully that things can be a little bit easier for Unique moving forward. So uh, that's all that, and yeah, Will sticking uh, sticking strong on his not wanting to give up the twerking of it all. You know, a little annoying because uh, considering we just went through all that, but then again, he shouldn't have to. Like, there's no reason that he should have to. 
you know, give up something. I mean, just they definitely get... shouldn't be twerking at nationals. That 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 remains clear. Like yes. you're gonna lose. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's all that. So let's wrap things up in New York a little bit. We haven't been talking about Kurt and Rachel for like an hour now, but uh, back in New York, um, no Santana this episode or Danny or Starchild. The band has a couple uh, has has some time off here. Kurt comes home and he finds Rachel. Kurt is not talking to her. Uh, Kurt uh, Rachel says, "Kurt, I think the silent treatment is getting a little bit immature." Kurt can't talk to her because he has a new tongue piercing that he's going to show her, which she thinks is very gross and she doesn't want to look at it. Uh, he also tells her that Louis, uh, Louis, I think, uh, fixed the tattoo uh, and uh, he got it changed from it's get better. Uh, now it says it's got Bette Midler instead. And the both of them laugh about it. Uh, they say it's genius and it makes absolutely no sense. So Kurt kind of loves it. And Kurt says to Rachel that, you know, honestly, I'm in the same boat as you. Since Finn died, I've been in a trance and I just needed a little bit of a jolt to get back into real life. And uh, when I tell you all of what Kurt just said to Rachel, he's talking extremely funny because he can't get the words out. So Rachel says she doesn't ever think uh, that she would get a tattoo for herself. Kurt is going to go off and go video chat with Blaine to show off his new tattoo and, uh, you know, maybe get a little cyber lucky tonight. Rachel is going to go off to the bathroom by herself. And as she gets in there, she lifts up her shirt a little bit to reveal to us that she did, in fact, get a tattoo when she was there with Kurt. And the tattoo is a four letter word right on her rib cage and of course that word is finn fuck <laughs> no that was, a, finn. that was a horrible time to make that joke i take that back i apologize i apologize guys yes it's finn it's finn <laughs> yes it's a very sweet touching gesture from rachel that rachel is obviously never going to uh fully get over the passing of, uh, you know, the her high school love, uh, the the guy that she expected to marry and, you know, come home to every day. And again, they are really going to do their best to keep Finn involved in this season just by constantly, you know, letting the characters continue to let out their grief uh, with relation to him. So I always uh, have maintained I think that's a good choice. And I love that Rachel got this uh, tattoo. I think it'll mean a lot to her uh, going forward to uh, to have that on. Uh, you know, have that on her. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I, I think that's like the the reservation that a lot of people have with tattoos is like I don't really know if I really care about anything that much that I want to have it for the rest of my life. But obviously, that's not the case for Rachel. I mean, that's something that I think that she'll never really uh, get over, and so she wants to keep a piece of it with her. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I support it. Yep. Back to the school. We're gonna see Will is going to wipe off from the board the word twerk and everyone's like what are you doing it's not the end of the week yet we're, we're done which feels like another breaking down the uh, glee fourth wall shit whatever um will says that twerking was and remains an issue but this wasn't a battle worth fighting to the death unique from the back of the room is going to call out no guys will uh mr shoe did this for me she knows because the toilet's not there anymore the porta potty is gone and also i guess sue is not any longer bothering unique about the bathroom thing so unique seems to be well aware that will uh did something for her and will says that uh, no i just did you know i did what anybody in this room would have done for their friends so this was uh you know i was happy to do so marley is glad that they're done twerking she's like i've never felt comfortable at all this week and uh Overall, I just had a terrible week anyway. Um, so Blaine is going to say that twerking wasn't much of their style anyway. Um, I mean, I don't know what Blaine's style is at the moment. He's in pink pants and like a picnic table 
button-up t-shirt. Uh, so he is, uh, he's really in his own style in the first place, but Will is going to agree, and he says... Why don't we close out this week with an old school style glee number, upbeat, optimistic, something full of hope. And Blaine is going to say that he has an idea and the New Directions are going to close out this episode with a performance of On Our Way over in the auditorium. And they're, work, they're playing with this uh, playground looking thing. Like, what would you call this? It's not what I feel like there's a name for it, but I can't think of it. Uh, merry-go-round? Would you call it a merry-go-round? I mean, a merry-go-round is a ride that has ponies on it. I don't know if that would you call this. It's not a seesaw. I feel like there's a name for it, and I'm just no, not dumb seesaw. and can't think seesaw of it. Seesaw is like the teeter-totter. Right, but it's Caras- there's something. Carousel? Maybe. I feel like, I don't know, it doesn't have an exact name, but uh, a little spinny thing in the middle of the stage. Uh, the New Directions are going to close out this performance. Uh, or this episode. Yeah, sure. With, uh, with this thing. They're going to close out this episode with... All of them up on the stage doing one last number, which, as Will said, is upbeat, optimistic, and full of hope. And uh, what do you think of this number? I love this number. It's so energetic and so fun. I love the way it's shot. I love the uh, the merry-go-round spin-about thing. Um, I love the way that it ends with Marley, you know, stepping off and clearly not, in, you know, just not in her. Uh, she's out of her head right now because of what's going on. Um, that's something that Mr. Shu notices as well. But, yeah, I love this song and I love this number. Yeah, it's really cute. Um, this is probably one of my favorites from season four. Um, a very underrated number, I think. Uh, uh, this is not season four. This is season five. Uh, one of my favorite numbers from season <laughs> they five. They know what you meant. <laughs> um, I am such a big fan of this number, like to the point where I like took this song and put it on like playlist at work. Um, not the Glee cast version, because I don't think that that was sliding very well, but uh, the actual song uh, that this is from, which who's it from? Uh, I don't even know who it is. It is the Royal concept. So I have no idea who they are, um, but that's why I didn't know this song before Glee covered it, but I'm glad that they did because this performance is just adorable. You have unique and arty like jamming out on the spinny thing while all the kids are like piling up on the front of the stage and everybody's just getting some character moments in here. And while they're all laying on that thing, like you said, the way it's shot, is so much fun with everybody laying back on uh, this thing and they're all just spinning around in circles having so much fun together and you know they really just have a good time until the very end when like you said Marley comes out for this dramatic closing that Jake is like gonna look onward and he's like oh no I really messed up didn't I (laughs) exactly So exactly that. That's exactly what it says in the script, too. Yes, exactly. Word for word. I have a copy of the script in front of me. So that's it for uh, for this episode for the end of twerk. Uh, We are at the end of twerk. I guess Glee has uh, wrapped up the book in one episode on twerking in order to, uh, you know, we'll make that gesture for uh, for unique here. So twerking is over for now. We'll see if it pops its ugly head back up at uh, nationals. I don't know that it will, but we'll see. Maybe a twerk or two. But yeah, I guess we uh, can move on into our favorite songs. All right. In this episode, we have You Are Woman, I Am Man, uh, Rachel Berry. And I don't even know that fucking guy's name. Does he have a name? Paolo San Pablo. Paolo San Pablo. Blurred Lines, Will in the New Directions, and like the whole class of <laughs> the McKinley High School. Hmm. If I Were a Boy, Unique. Wrecking Ball, Marley, On Our Way, New Directions. All right. And I think I already made mine obvious, so I will uh, continue to 
tell you that uh, Honor Away is uh, my favorite number of this episode, which uh, I feel, you know, a little rough about because uh, the performances from specifically Unique and Marley, both of them getting a solo in this episode, uh, If I Were a Boy and Wrecking Ball are both like incredible performances, specifically Unique there. Uh, if I Were a Boy is very, very powerful. For some reason, though, I can't even double up on this episode. I got to give it to Honor Away because it's just one of my genuine, true favorites. Um, I I have it in like a tier above a lot of other songs that Glee has done to close out an episode. It's just that positive, upbeat, uh, cute little numbers that they do, and this is like one of the best ones that I uh, I really enjoy. So that is my solo favorite song. Um, if I were a boy for me, uh, just a really strong performance from Unique and Alex Newell in general. Just I think that he and she just really blew that song out of the water. But if not that, then I would have chosen On Our Way too. So definitely my two favorites. This was an episode where I was kind of like more concerned about the story than I was the song. There's a few hand. There's a handful of episodes of Glee that are like that for me, where I like find myself like not even giving a shit what's being sung because I'm more engaged in what's going on. So I think one of the things that I liked the most about this episode was like the slice of life that we were getting with like Rachel and. Kirk, because we don't really get to see them in the city. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. when they went out to go get tattoos, I was like, oh, this is really cool. This kind of feels different. Yeah. And it's been, you know, a lot of focus on the trio lately and the band now that's that's being formed. So it was nice to get like a, a nice little Rachel and Kurt, just the two of them, and, you know, focus on that friendship a little bit here and there. So I, uh, I enjoyed that as well. Mm-hmm. So that's that. We'll uh, give out some slushy ratings. Why don't you lead us off with that? What did you uh, think of this episode? Um, I like this episode. I mean... There are a lot of cringy moments. I think that the twerking is just really, really... The the whole thing with Will and blared lines, just ugh. And then um, I'm not really... I'm still wrestling with my feelings about, like, um, the sue of it all and the transphobia. Like, I'm, I'm still not really sure how I feel about all of that. So I'm going to go ahead and give this just one slushy. All right. Yeah, I uh, feel pretty similar. I was watching the episode the whole time. Sometimes you just get that, like, you know, like sometimes the slushy rating just comes to me and I don't even have to search for it. Um, I, I was feeling pretty similarly at about a one. I thought that the storytelling, at least from the perspective of Unique, was uh, was really well done. Uh, we had some fun stuff with Kurt and Rachel. We had finally some compelling stuff with Jake and Marley where uh, Jake sucks for cheating. But like I said, I'd much rather any of that over the boring stuff that was happening with them last season. So uh, all good on that end and blurred lines, uh, probably the sole reason for this uh, being at a one in the first place. Otherwise I might've liked the episode even more. So that's that Uh, both of us going to land on one slushy for this episode and yeah, time for some gold stars to close things out. Do you know where you're going with yours? Unique Adams. I think, um, I mean, there's the, there's a few contenders here, but I think that this episode is about her and her struggle and what she represents. So um, I just feel like I have to give it to her this time. Yes, I think you are right on that. Um, I really, really, really don't want to give it to the same person again in the same episode. And I was also thinking about Rachel oh, in this God. episode. You can give it to Rachel. Yeah, but I didn't even give Unique my favorite song. I can't just not give her anything. I mean, she does sort of start the song out. It's like sort of like led by her in a way. Yeah, well, I don't think I can not give it to Unique. I think uh, she's the pick here. I I really did think that there was some good stuff from Rachel uh, over in New York with everything, you know, just 
doing her own thing and, uh, you know, marching forward in her life. And you know what? Yeah. All right. I'm going to give it to Rachel. I uh, the tattoo, I think, is what pushes me over with this. I, I do, I think, need to highlight Rachel here because everything that happened there with, you know, deciding to go for it and kind of move forward in life uh, after everything that she's been through in the past couple of months or weeks or whatever you would call it. And then, you know, getting that tattoo, I think, was a really touching gesture. And uh, the fact that she hid it from Kurt was a little a little confusing, but, you know, that's her decision. She doesn't have to show him if she doesn't want to. I'm sure she will at some point, but um, I think it was a good episode for her and uh, specifically for the sake of uh, finally splitting up when we do have two good options on the board. So a gold star for Unique and a gold star for Rachel. I think that sounds about right to me. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> all right. Well, is that it? That's all we got for twerk, twerk, twerk. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Choir Room. Make sure that you're following us on Twitter at Choir Room Pod. You can follow us individually as well. I'm Adamon Adwin. Matt is at Matt Lagori. Leave us star ratings and reviews. We'll make sure to read them aloud on the show. I think that's it. Just remember transgendered. Women are women, the same goes for men, transgenders, men are men, no ifs, ands, or buts, and we will see you guys at Nationals. <laughs>